and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Right, welcome everyone to Q and everyone online. So last week, we were talking about light and sun and resurrection. And this morning, we're going to be continuing that theme a bit because there's still a lot to say on it, we think. So Danny talked about the story we tell ourselves and the equinox and how the sun moves and affects our seasons. And Chris talked about how different cultures celebrate the sun and resurrection. There are so many resurrection stories, the actual sun being one of them. And the thing I found really fascinating with what Chris was talking about was when she talked about how the sun, the only time the sun stops is for three days um, just before Christmas Day or the 25th of December. And... On the 25th, after the three days, it then starts to move again. And I thought that was fantastic. And what I found really interesting about that for us, as in this country, that is our season of darkness. It's in winter. And actually, that's when the resurrection of the sun takes place. So it got me thinking about the dark. And usually, we refer to the darkness as an enemy, don't we? Particularly in spiritual terms. You know, we always talk about light and dark as opposites, forces working against each other. The goodness is always the light and the bad stuff is always in the dark. You know, we fear it, we're afraid of the dark, we don't like it. But why do we have it every day? Because as sure as the sun rises every day, the sun sets every day and we have rest and we have nighttime and we have the dark. So I looked into it a little bit because the nature and the world obviously needs the dark for some reason and some wildlife thrives in the dark. Um, a little quote, darkness is as, is as essential to our biological welfare, to our internal clock, as light itself. The regular oscillation of waking and sleep in our lives, one of our circadian rhythms, is nothing less than a biological expression of the regular oscillation of light on earth. So fundamental are these rhythms to our being that altering them is like altering gravity. And the circadian rhythm, I looked at what that meant this morning, is actually one of our internal master clocks in your brain that regulates your body patterns. So it's about your sleep, your temperature, those sort of things. And when these are out of sync, it can have a massive impact on your mental well-being and your physical well-being. And also, the darkness at night, apparently... I was thinking about all this while I was putting Sophie to bed the other night. I was laid there in the dark thinking... Well, we need it to be dark for her to sleep. We need it to be dark to get rest. And apparently the darkness also aids your immune system. It releases melatonin, which fights disease or dis-ease. <laughs> so maybe the darkness is actually there for our protection. It's also important to our rest because it's about recouping and going within, building up your immunity and going within and walking a journey of growth. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... 
Shadows are created by light. The light can be there to give you darkness so you can walk through some stuff. You know, sometimes I think we, you know, we're, we're so opposed. We need to get out of the darkness. We need to find the light. You know, what if that light's already there in that darkness? What if they go hand in hand? You know, you don't actually have anything to fear because there is always hope. The sun is always shining even in the darkness like Chris talked about last week. The moonlight is created by the sun's reflection, illuminating your darkness. I just thought this was just gorgeous. Uh, sorry, I'll get wobbly. Everything is working for your good. It might not always feel like that, but it's there. The sun breaking through the clouds, as faithful as the dawn is your unfailing love. The sun is always shining, whether it's on the other side of the world, but it's lighting your night. So, I don't think you can have light without the dark, and vice versa. It's a bit like yin and yang. They go hand in hand. But what does that mean for our journey and our everyday life? Well, every day, I think we all experience darkness at some point in the day. We, we kind of look at it as big seasons of darkness, don't we? Of maybe traumatic events we might have been through. But sometimes it might just be triggers that you have every day. Like it could be a crappy email you've got or a difficult teenager or a relationship that's falling apart. Or it could just be someone looked at you the wrong way or made a bad comment. It, it just lots of little things can trigger you throughout the day. But because life happens and grief, you know, if you have been through a traumatic event, grief just doesn't go away. You don't just not have it one day. You know, we, we, we often don't, we, like I said a minute ago, talk about darkness as in a season of walking through something and then you find this light. And I believe that's to a point, but I also think how do we then make that work within your darkness. Some people suffer with depression, which is not an easy thing to walk out of. It's a long haul journey. So is mental health issues. It's just, it's just not that simple. So sometimes I think it's about finding your inner light. It's about finding that moonlight in your darkness, the sun shining on it. That maybe it's just about taking a breath. Maybe it's about not reacting to that email, giving yourself some time to reprocess it, and figure it out, growth, and then responding. It's about that experience, giving yourself time to find the light in that moment, in that experience, what the sun is illuminating that needs some TLC. So, as I've said, to me, being the light is about experiencing the dark. And we all experience that in whatever shape that may come. And your light shines brighter because of it. You learn, you grow, regroup, and the light is there for your vitality. So, why the Phoenix clip? I've been thinking a lot about the phoenix lately because we've been talking about resurrection. And to me, that is resurrection. And it's beautiful. And I looked into what the, the, um, the phoenix symbolizes because it's a legend. You know, these, these birds don't just burn and come to life. I'd kind of be cool if they did, but they don't. <clears throat> and the Egyptians, funny enough, saw the phoenix as a symbol of the sun. The magical phoenix bird symbolizes immortality, renewal, rebirth, healing, and eternal fire. According to ancient legend, the phoenix symbolizes the sun that departs its life at night and is reborn again in the morning sky. So rising in the morning after the darkness of the night to bring rebirth and immortality. I mean, how gorgeous is that? It's showing that every day you can have your resurrection. Every moment you can have a resurrection. Immortal death is about being able to live because of the dark, every day you can have that. It's not worked out as it has today, but that's fine. The sun will set, you get your rest, and it will rise again every single day, the next day, the next day, the next day. You will always have opportunity to shine. The trolls clip. So we're going to show a trolls clip now.
just to wrap this up, and I think it explains this point nicely, that even when they're in the cooking pot, so the trolls want to get eaten by the Bergens, and they're in a cooking pot, and Poppy, who's usually quite positive, has lost her shine, she's lost her light, she's feeling a bit like, oh, it's not working out. But Branch sings her a little song to remind her that the light is within. And maybe let this be a reminder to you that the light is always within. And then in your true colours, you can shine like a rainbow, which funnily enough, you can't have a rainbow without having the sun and the dark. Hello, everyone. How are you? Good, good, good. Thank you for setting it up so beautifully, Claire. It was wonderful. Really great. Um, so really a continuation with what we've been looking at from last week with regards to sun and light. Um, and I've been thinking this week, the link between God and light is not new within the context of, of religious faiths all around the world. It's something that really ties the whole thing together. Um, and so what I did is I took a bit of time to look at some of the, the various main religions to see kind of how light fits within the context of, of their faith. Because I thought, well, you know, I'm aware that it's a theme, but I'm not sure how they apply it and how similar some of them are. So I thought I'd just take a few notes on, on each of the, of the faiths. So we've got Sikhism. They believe that every living creature contains a divine spark of God. The idea that a divine spark is within people means that God is also within all humans. I also learned this week that the term guru is composed of two words, gu meaning darkness and ru meaning light. And the idea is that you go to the guru is the light that expels the darkness. Well, guru, Christ, whatever, but you, you get where you can see the link, right? Okay. So then we've got Hinduism, which I thought was really interesting again. Light is the symbol for God and truth. God is the light of all lights beyond darkness. God is the original and uncreated light in which everything else exists and shines. Illumination, you know, there's that scripture, in him are all things, you know, came from all things. Um, then we've got Islam. The light is God within us. If you want the light to be seen, you have to open the curtain. The light is always radiating, but are we allowing it to be seen? Then we've got Buddhism. The light of wisdom leading to wakefulness. Now, don't mistake wakefulness with wokeness. It's not the same thing. Wakefulness. It is the source of ultimate reality and is to be aligned with ultimate transcendence. The sun light is the avenger of the dark. And then, of course, we have Christianity. So we've got God and Jesus being referred to as light in the Bible all the time, right? Old Testament, New Testament. Um, we've got, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Psalm says, you, Lord, will keep my lamp burning and turn my darkness into light. Your word is a light unto my path. Let your light shine before others. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. God is light. In him there is no darkness. Can we really claim to have fellowship with him if we walk in darkness? I'm going to get onto this in a bit. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and one another. So you can see really the theme between all of those is one of this sense that the light is within, within each of us. Um, now, you'll notice I've missed one, yeah, and I've also got an extra stool, right? So to help me with this next one, 
I would like you to welcome Hannah to the stage. Give her a warm round of applause. You can be very nerve-wracking. Hey, Hannah. So, some of you will have seen Hannah. Um, she has a little spot at the back, don't you there? <laughs> um, and I met Hannah four, four years, five, five. So me and Hannah met five years ago, and she came to one of my classes at York University. I teach there. And um, we kind of briefly met you, then got involved with uh, the committee there, uh, which meant that we had more conversation with regards to the classes and things like that. Um, and over time, we just created a bond. Uh, we were aware that, you know, there was things that we, we thought similarly and we had similar views and things like that. And of course, you then started coming for lessons and that meant we, had, we exchanged numbers. So we ended up talking more about philosophical things and you know how it goes, right? Um, and particularly in the lockdowns, I mean, we covered some great stuff, didn't we? Um, so it really, Hannah's become a real good friend of mine, um, which has been really a blessing and I, I really appreciate it. Um, now, Hannah is also Jewish, okay? Now, and that's the reason why I thought wouldn't it be fantastic to have Hannah come and share some of her thoughts with regards to how light works in the context of, of your faith? And one of the things that has been uh, great, really, for, for us and the discussions that we've had is, and one of the things that um, attracted Hannah to Q was the fact that it was so all-encompassing and all-embracing of perspectives and um, of many different angles, and the conversation was willing to be had um, about so many different elements um, of how spirituality and faith works. And I think that, you know, hats off to you guys and, you know, how we've taken it. We've, I think we've really achieved that in, in this open debate of understanding how to make our faith richer and deeper rather than just, okay, well, yeah, narrow. It, you know, that scripture that talks about going into wide open spaces. Um, so we haven't, I don't, we have, don't really do this thing very often, so we'll see how it goes, but we thought we'd do it as like a little bit of a conversation to see how we get on. Um, we've kind of laid it out with some questions and Hannah's got, um, got obviously some answers to give. So my first question is, obviously last week uh, we talked about the equinox, sun, all of that, um, and how it's influenced the evolution of Christianity. It's also shaped how religions have evolved from each other. So Hannah, I was going to ask you, how does... Um, that apply to Judaism and how can you explain maybe some of, you know, how that's worked for you? Yeah. So the Jewish calendar is actually different to our regular calendar because it's a lunisolar calendar. So it's regulated by the position of the sun and the moon. Um, and also we consider the start of the day to be at sunset. So when the sun sets and the moon rises, that's the start of a new day. Uh, so that's like an interesting different perspective to have. And the reason of that is because in the creation story in Genesis, the order of the words is actually day one, evening, then morning. So that's why it follows like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. So um, many people will have heard of the menorah. Yeah, have you all heard of the menorah? Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the importance of light and candles within the Jewish tradition. And I was wondering, obviously with the theme being about light, um, can you explain a little bit more of why um, like the menorah is so important within the context of, of your faith and how that links to light? Yeah, so a lot of people are probably aware of the festival of Han Hanukkah, which takes place in December at a similar time to Christmas and also Diwali. I think it's interesting you have these three religions all celebrating festivals of light at a similar time to each other. And also in winter, which is usually the darkest time of the year, but we're celebrating the light that exists in the world and its different forms. 
So the story of Hanukkah is about the triumph of the, sorry, <laughs> triumph of the um, Maccabee tribe, which is a Jewish tribe, over the Syrian Greeks who were trying to prevent the Jews from practicing their faith. And after the conflict, the Maccabees went to kind of rescue their temple and relight the menorah, which is a candelabra, which was permanently lit in the temple. And they used a very special oil to light the menorah because they didn't have candles then. And um, they could only find enough oil to light the menorah for one day. But it was a journey of eight days to acquire new oil. So they lit the menorah, and the miracle is that the single day's worth of oil lasted for eight days until they got new oil. So it's a miracle of the oil, miracle of light. And we celebrate it now with an eight-day-long festival where we light a menorah, and we light one candle on the first day, two on the second day, up until the eighth day when we have eight candles lit and a full menorah. So what significance does lighting the candles? So obviously you've talked about you know, the fact that the oil you know, lasted for eight days and all of that. Um, what is the significance of lighting the candles on like a spiritual level for you? Um, it's like, especially within Judaism, like what does it represent to you? So we light candles for lots of different reasons. Um, on Shabbat, which is the day of rest, various different festivals, and also Yart's light candles, which we light on the anniversary of the death of a family member. Um, and the flame of a candle is often used to represent the soul because you can see and feel a candle flame, but you can't pick it up and hold it. Um, and also there's a verse in Proverbs, I'm just going to read it, the soul of a man is a candle of God. And the flickering light of a yard site candle can also be used as a metaphor for life's transience because I think that life is so fragile and fleeting, yeah, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, it's full of meaning and potential. Yeah, and like a candle flame, it can be easily extinguished. But um, whilst it burns, it provides light and warmth and it can kindle other flames. And then additionally, um, light itself cannot be seen. Light is humble and we only become aware of its presence when you can, it, you can see other things because of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so similarly, we cannot see God, but we've become aware of God's presence when we see and experience the beauty that exists in our world. See, I love that because um, I feel like there's lots of parallels there, right? If we look at um, when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, there's that scripture that says a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the room. In this same way, let your light shine before others. And then I've been thinking, I know we were talking about when we were having this conversation this week, that um, are we here to bring light to the world or are we here to be light within the world? Now I feel that there's quite a big difference with that. Um, when you are trying to bring light to the world, are we spending more of our time looking for the darkness to fix um, to deliver your light to, right? So, like, there's a problem to be overcome. Um, whereas when you decide to simply be the light, um, everywhere you be becomes brighter, right? Just by the very act of being. Um, it's like like it says, you know, you, neither do people put a lamp underneath the table and let it just shine bright. Um, now, I love those thoughts. That's amazing. Um, so what does it mean in practical terms, then, for you, like to be the light, like how would, how would you feel that that was manifested within your faith and what things maybe would you put in place to, to do that? 
So following our conversations this week, I was reading some articles and I found one that I really liked. I've adapted it slightly, but I'm going to read it so I get it right. The mandate of the whole of creation is stated almost immediately in Genesis. In Hebrew, it is Yahir or. A common translation of that is let there be light, but it could be instead read as it should become light. So all the world, even the darkness, should become a source of light. Your essential self lies in an inseparable bond with the source of light, which extends to illuminate the darkness. And like has kind of already been said this morning, we can often view events in life as a battle between light and dark, good and evil, and fighting evil is a very noble activity when it needs to be done. But it's not our mission in our life. Our job is to bring in more light. I love that. Love that. I love what you said there about the inseverable bond. Like the inseverable bond with the source of life, light. I just think that that's amazing because then I remember when we were talking this week, I was thinking about, um, you know, I am the light of the world. Um, and it also says, you are the light of the world. So we've got this kind of thing where Jesus, God is saying, I am the light, but he's also saying, you are the light. Um, and then I was thinking, it hit me because I thought, um, I and the Father are one, right? Jesus said, I and the Father are one, right? Um, he also said, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. So when you said inseverable bond with light, if God is light, Jesus is light, they exist as one, but he is also in me as I am in him then there is absolutely no separation with, with, yeah, 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 exactly. The ocean song would work perfect, wouldn't it? We haven't practiced that one, though. Um, and then I was thinking, when, you, when we're truly aligned with this belief, you become a conduit. The word conduit came to mind, the conduit of the light that is within. So it's not that the light ever stops burning. It's just that we become connected back to the reality of what already is. Um, and then I was thinking, like, can we really be a light for anybody else? Um, as in, like, can we make their light brighter? Or is it just that we shine our light bright enough to the point that they want it so much for themselves that they're beginning to tune into their own light um, within? Um, and I really loved what you'd said there about, um, like, fighting evil might be noble, and, but fighting darkness is not our mission in life. And can you remember, like... Um, like, within the context of, like, the church, it was always the common enemy theme, right, wasn't it? Like, it was about, you know, the devil's under our feet, and it was all about trying to fight an enemy, or the sinner was the problem, or X was the problem, or this was the problem. Um, but I find it's interesting, because I've learned a lot about this over the last few months, but um, in trying to make the world a better place, are we therefore suggesting it isn't already a good place? And that we then are so busy looking and talking about the problem, how can you be the light whenever your focus is basically on that which you don't want to be? Does that, that make sense? I know that I, we can all be guilty of that in a way. Um, and that really spoke to me when you said that, because I thought, well, that's true, isn't it? Um, and, I, and I thought about fighting evil when you'd said that, or, you know, fighting darkness. Isn't it interesting that when the scripture where Jesus said, if you're not welcome, simply brush off your shoes and leave. I just thought of that this week. Um, turn the other cheek, give them your coat. And I thought, that's what it means. It's, it doesn't mean that there may not be a time and a place where there has to be challenge. I mean, he, he turned over the tables in the temple, for example. But that sense of, is our life's mission to constantly fight the issue? Or is it to, I am the light, I'm not needed here, I will then move on and let my, shite, my, my line sh shite, shine, shine. I'm not swearing, it was a tongue twister. You can edit that out. My line, my light shite, apparently. Brilliant. Oh, I love it. That's great. Sorry. 
moving on. Right. Um, and basically, we know when it's dark, the sun, will, the sun will still shine. So, can't get over that now. It's hilarious. Right. Going back to what you were talking about, how at the, at the beginning of the Genesis story, how God separated the light from the darkness, how it didn't get rid of darkness. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on how light overcomes darkness. So I think that no matter how ominous or intimidating darkness can feel, it's not a thing or a force, it's merely the absence of light. So light doesn't need to have this battle with darkness and overcome it. It just needs to shine and be what it is. Um, because where light is, darkness is not. And perhaps we're just always on this journey, like Claire said before, it's like a balance between light and dark. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. Because there, be, there can be a conversation that says that somehow um, if you have moments of darkness, that somehow that's bad. And that unless you, and, and we went through this, it's like if you just aren't the beacon of perfection all the time, that somehow then you're a failure, well, no, that's the, the contrast of the two have to work alongside each other. Um, and I also believe that your appreciation for the light becomes stronger when you've experienced darkness. It's that whole dark night of the soul, the, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The idea is not to stay there, though, right? The idea is to allow that to be an experience and we learn from it. Um, uh, when we are facing darkness, it either serves as an experience we allow to bring us back to the light or one that will crush us and wear us down. Um, and then I was thinking, I don't know whether you remember, I mentioned it to Claire before, Ant preached years back about the law of diminishing returns. I know you said, I briefly remember it. I don't, can anybody remember it? Law of diminishing returns? Yeah, yeah. It was like the Cain and Abel thing um, with the offering and things like that. See, I listen. Um, and... It's, it's such a backward concept of life, right? Because if the whole thing is about original blessing, yeah, um, to go through life and, and as we get older, I was saying like things like, as I become older, I become less joyful than I was yesterday. As I move through my life, I will have less of this and less of that. It's such a backward way of thinking that somehow things are supposed to be bad or worse um, when that's not actually the original story. The original story is one of he saw that it, he said, let there be light and saw that it was good, right? Um, so surely our life's journey should be one where our light, doesn't, our light doesn't fade, but one where it burns consistently and we are renewed daily with new mercies as the sun shines. You've mentioned to me before how joyful Jewish celebrations can be. I've seen some of the video clips of weddings and they're absolutely wild. <laughs> I don't know if I could hack it. Uh, do you think this is because of an underlying understanding within your faith of what it means to simply be the light? I think there's often this perception that Judaism is a very sad and serious religion um, because we have lots of rules and quite a challenging history. Um, but we have so many different festivals, each with their own story and traditions and things like that. And then family and community is also really important to us, as seen in family celebrations like weddings, bar mitzvahs. There's all this dancing and singing and blessings. If you're ever invited to one, I really recommend you go because it's quite an experience. Um, and perhaps these things are so joyful because we have this underlying understanding that life is beautiful and precious and something to be celebrated. And as we've been saying, all you have to do is be the light that you already are. Yeah, I love that. It's amazing. Yeah, and that just links so closely again with that, what I was saying, that the early church, the early Christian church was all about original blessing, resurrection, not about original sin. That was something that crept in, you know. Um, and, I, and I just think that 
the whole story of Genesis is amazing. You know, let there be light. Remember we learned about this, that the let there be light wasn't a physical light because daylight didn't come until later on. It was an illumination of reality um, and all that was, um, an absolute celebration of everything and an opportunity opportunity for it to become it's a bit like the whole eden story you take the fruitfulness of this and then you allow it to be transferred to everything else um have you got any like final thoughts you'd like to bring of how that works personally to your life um so that'd be nice to kind of conclude how it works within so seasons have already been mentioned this morning and i believe in life we go through cycles of seasons and hopefully i can explain what i mean by that so we're continually facing new and different situations, and some of these are opportunities, and some of these are challenges, but either way, we can learn and grow from it. Um, and to navigate these varying conditions, we have to make decisions, take action, and this leads us to new destinations and then new points of view. And it's kind of like a dot-to-dot, -dot. you're kind of always moving to the next point, but it's only later on that you see the bigger picture. Um, so our perspective is continually changing, and therefore so is our perception. Our understanding of ourselves and our environment can only ever be temporary, because life is moving in this forward direction, and we're evolving alongside it. Um, and because of this, we can act from a place of fear and be planning and preparing and acquiring knowledge and experience in order to inform our decision-making process. But what we're doing with this is just acquiring beliefs and matter, like Anth has talked before. Um, but at some point, we're going to be presented with unexpected challenges that can't be like, buried by distractions or um, solved with old methods. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that would mean that we're either moving backwards or becoming static and standing yeah, yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. So for me, in the last few years, I've experienced so many things I really thought were never going to happen to me. I had such a clear vision of what my life was and where I was going to be in five yeah. years' time. And it didn't happen like that. So, like a tree in autumn, I felt like I'd lost absolutely everything. And then I was plunged into this dark winter, feeling really exposed and vulnerable. But then I learned that the wound is where the light gets in. I think Amph said that a few years ago. Yeah. And that's where healing can take place. Um, and from there, I went into the season of spring, where I found so much light and joy in this process of becoming a more authentic version of myself. Um, like the only thing that can remain constant through these changing seasons is a flow of faith. Um, so I think that's why faith is important, like knowing that even through the darkness, the light will shine again and resurrection, like right. we said before. And isn't that what ultimately connects us all, isn't it? Like what you've just said there. It's just so beautiful, Hannah. And just to conclude, I mean, I think you've been absolutely amazing. I think you've shared it. So articulately, you know, it's just really, you're amazing. And even with my swearing halfway through that wasn't intended, you've just managed to hold it together. I so it. I salute you, right? And then I just thought I'd finish off really with the message version of what I just read earlier on because I just think it is so wonderful and really just sums up really kind of what both of us believe in a way. Um, you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as the something on a hill. I think I've spelt that wrong. As public. <laughs> what is the word? Yes. It just says C. As public as the city on a hill, that's the one. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I have put you there on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. 
Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to be open with God, this generous Father in heaven. And I think that really summarizes everything that we've said. So I appreciate you, Hannah. I hope you've liked that. It's a bit different. And then uh, we'll do a song now. So thank you very much. Um, I love that clip. I don't know if you've seen the film Moana, if you haven't, I'd recommend it because the goddess Tafiti um, ends up in a dark place because it has its heart stolen, however that happens to <laughs> goddesses. Um, and yet, actually, that was already who she was and she just had to find that place where she got her heart back. And I was thinking about the expression all week about losing heart. And it's actually linked to the word discourage, which obviously is from the word courage, which means heart in its original um, interpretation. Um, uh, original, what's the word? Original thingy. Meaning. Um, and actually, some of this stuff takes courage because saying be the light is actually, we're not saying it from a um, superficial place or from a place of just think positively. It's actually something much deeper than that, where we have to believe that there is something within us that is light, even in some of the times of our lives that we can't explain or understand or comprehend or see a way through. That's actually when it works the best because it's actually who we truly are. So I want to encourage you today to have some courage. And in the word, originally in its meaning, it meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. And the line that stood out to me, well, the word that stood out to me in that was that word all. Because so much of what I've learned about faith in this big God story that we talked about last week, about how we could expand the story that we'd been given, because it's not is that. Because it includes all, it's not about how we divide up life, which you've heard about already from Claire and Joel and Hannah today, about how we separate it into light, dark, good, bad, in, out, what we can accept in life and what we can't. It's actually the fact that there is light in all. And I hope you've heard that through everything that's been said this morning, because the darkness is the absence of light. One of my favorite things that's been said um, is that line. I think you said it, Hannah. Darkness is the absence of light. And all light has to do is show up. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be brilliant in every single millimeter of its existence. It just has to show up and it's already dispelled the darkness. And for so long, you might have heard the story that you had to just stare at the light stare at the light and then that would make everything all right or you might have heard the story that you have to bring the light and be perfect in every situation but the be the light story is the best version of that story this morning because it means you show up as light so as we come to a close um you may feel that somehow or other your heart has been stolen that you've lost heart that you don't have courage and um, and what that scene showed in that last clip is something reaching out that had to be accepted for the light to come back in and I I hope that this morning you felt some words reach out from this stage to connect with you to say no you are the light that is your actual that's who you are. It might not be always how you feel, but it is who you are. And perhaps also you see the darkness and fire raging towards you like Moana did. Um, but you can reach out too today and be light because that is the overriding universal cry of creation that you are light. And that 
inseverable bond. I mean, that's incredible. So hear the cry this morning that you are light, that it is, cannot be separated from you, that that's who you are. And when you show up in your own life to connect with the things you're hearing and the challenges you may be facing, you showing up will start to dispel the darkness because even the darkness is light. And you've heard that all morning. So as we close, um, we're going to do one final song. And you might want to make this your prayer this morning, that even the darkness is light. Um, And that could be your final prayer today as you head into the rest of today and the rest of your week. And hopefully you felt great courage this morning to move forward. Huge thank you to Claire, to Joel and to Hannah. That was absolutely brilliant. And um, thank you all. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>